Denver Ad School is filled with passionate creatives from all different backgrounds. In this episode, I speak with art director Graciela Robertson. We talk about her journey growing up as a black woman in the affluent ski town of Aspen, Colorado, her desire to go to the East Coast to experience greater cultural diversity, and her love for learning and dance. My name is Jeff Ollery, and this is Journey to Add. I'm ready. You're ready? I'm fucking ready. You got your coffee and everything? I am. I Hopefully I won't be too loud, <laughs> or else I, like, my eye will start like not twitchy. I mean, I'll just... <laughs> Otherwise, if I don't drink it right now, my eye will just start twitching like throughout the day. And your eye being twitchy would really affect the quality. Of the I podcast. know. I'm like, oh, my eye just can't start twitching because of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because everyone's gonna see it. Yes. No. No. Oh yeah. So it's video, by the way. So the camera's right. There. <laughs> I was waiting for. I was like, are you serious? It's just upper left corner. Where's Where's Ashton? Am I being talked? Ashton. Yeah, she just comes around the corner. Okay. I'm ready. Fucking. Maybe later. Get at me. Get at me. Get at me with this question. I'm ready. I'm we're, fidget. Graciela. Yes. Where are you this from? Is, this is on? It is on. Okay. Um, I was born and raised in Aspen, Colorado. Okay. And I lived there. I went like through elementary school, middle school, the whole shenanigans there. And my mom, she had me at 16. Okay. And so it was really interesting going to high school there because... She was pregnant in high school with me mm. in the classrooms. And so parent-teacher conferences were a little weird because my teachers, who not only had my mom, but they also had me in her belly at the time yeah. in their class, and they would sit there during parent-teacher conference, and they'd be like, what the fuck? Like, we not only do we look so much alike, they're just like, have I just gotten so old? <laughs> <laughs> they're like having this existential crisis, like, I've been teaching here. For, for that, 15 yeah, years. For them, the passage of time probably feels <laughs> like watch, even longer. Literally, too. to watch a second generation come through. They're like, it was so weird, but I mean, mm-hmm. it was a really small town. And, um, yeah, because Aspen's up in the mountains, right? It it's is. like a resort town. Yes, it's definitely like high key, fucking luxurious resort town. But since my mom was like a fucking 16 year old working at like the beauty bar and things like that for all these rich people. I felt like whenever I tell people I'm from Aspen, it's like, oh, they assume I have money or I come from money. Mm. But like, I was like, I came from a family that like maintained rich people's lifestyle. Like whether that was like, whether that was like, for example, my mom is a jazz singer. Mm -hmm. So she had a lot of like parties she would go to to like sing jazz, but it would be like the New Year's Eve party or like all of those types of situations, you know, to like have a little bit of the extra income when we could make it happen. Like, but then again, I look at it and all my friends are like, do you want to go to Florida on my jet with me? And I'm like, like, I like run home. I'm like, mom, I've never even been to Florida. What do I even pack? And she's like, where are you going? Like, do you, I don't know. Like, it's just so weird. But like, I had this unique perspective of like being from a working class family, but being able to like peer into like what extreme wealth looks like. Sure. There was like, I went to school with like the generational, basically like wealth of Walt Disney, like just so much money. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? And these kids, they are just like, I don't know. I think about it today of in the sense of like, okay, how does this connect to like what's happening now? culturally racially like i remember reading something that was like okay like what used to be your kids friday night fun of just like thievery like getting into shit underage drinking like but for black people it's like 
that's how they that's incriminating do you know what i mean yeah. and i got to watch a lot of like them be destructive and have no consequences but like i could never join them mm-hmm. do you know what i mean because a my mom didn't have her best friend lawyer and in her pocket to call and like fish me out of the situation or like b i was just like i knew better because i was like i had i had consequences at home sure you know what i mean um I don't know. So then, yeah, it was like, it's such a weird fucking place. And whenever we try to describe it to people, they're just like, this is so weird. Like, the shit I got into in in high school, like, I was just, I was a fucking, I was like a fucking thief. Like, I just was everything wrong for a 16-year-old to be. I did it. And I was like, Should we yes. be worried about Statue of Limitations? No. <laughs> I'm like, is anything that I'm going to say incriminating? I'm like, how far I can, how honest can I be? But like, um, I don't know. Like, I just think that it just was super crazy. And then, so basically, after high school... I decided I got into Boston University for my freshman year. Okay. And I was like, I was like, fuck this, peace out mountains. I want to go to the East Coast. I had never stepped foot into Boston until like the first day of class. Really? Yeah. Okay. I was just like, I'm going, fuck it, whatever. See, that seems so scary to me because like I, yeah. I was a very big person on like visiting like all the schools mm. that I was considering. Yeah, I think that's very normal. <laughs> I like, I wanted to feel like the atmosphere. Yeah, so like, all right, do people. I actually feel like I could fit in here? No. Do I like the people? Yeah, yeah. I think like that's a huge What's thing. What's the vibe? What's the like culture? Like how do people like carry themselves? And you get all that from the in-person thing, okay. but it was like... I was just like, for whatever reason, I had this like a deep attraction to the East Coast. Okay. And I was like, I want to get as far away from possible. I want to get as far. I want something so different. I want something. I want more culture. I want more than like just being up in the mountains, like yeah. going from run to run. Do you know what I mean? Was, was Aspen like, how diverse was it? I mean, okay. Like of my senior class, I was one of like maybe two people of color. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was the only one who looked like me. I was the only one who, like, had curly hair. And, like, it was really especially, I think, crippling, especially self-esteem-wise and puberty-wise because I had no one to look up to. Okay. And even, like, my mom's example of, like, what a black woman in America should be mm-hmm. wasn't there because my mom was raised by, like, a white woman. Okay. So it was a very weird, like, not only identity crisis of, like, I don't know how to be myself or what I should be but then also I was like put up this persona of like what I think a black person in America should be yeah because everyone in the classroom was looking at me when we were talking about the civil war and they're like what do you think Graciela and I was like well this is my first time hearing about it just with you guys in the fifth grade and I also it makes me very uncomfortable but then it also like put it's just interesting to always have to be the voice to advocate Mm-hmm. And without even realizing it, I like, even to this day, I'm like, well, have you thought about it from this? And it's just because I'm so used to it of saying the things that I think people either A, don't want to hear or like consider. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because like, I am so used to being put up on the spotlight being like, everyone's looking at me like, Graciela, do we really want to do this? Like, la la la. Like, oh, Graciela has to be there because we're going to talk about race. Like, make sure she's in class or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. But I also like, I can't talk for all black people. Right. I can only talk about my perspective being a black woman raised in a majority white Colorado town, ski resort town. Do you know what I mean? Which is so, so like niche perspective, very small, nothing like culturally on a broad scheme doesn't connect to like 
what it means when it what it means to be raised as a person of color in America today, you know? And I think like I do as best as I can to try and understand, learn and like gravitate towards things, but then also like I felt like um the interesting thing is I think about this now, especially now that I'm like going through my early 20s identity crisis of like who am I? Let me talk to my grandma and go back and whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And I like wish that I still was speaking Spanish because it was my first language. Oh, okay. it was my first language, and then my mom and I, as I was learning English and Spanish in the household, she would have Mondays and Wednesdays in full Spanish at home, and I would just we would just speak in Spanish for the full day. Wow! And then Tuesday would be like English, and I'd go to school and like speak English at school. But I remember we were doing this, and I was like in the fifth, fifth, fourth fifth grade and I started to bring it was Wednesday and I started to bring Spanish into the classroom Mm -hmm. and one of my peers was like why are you speaking Spanish that's a dirty language whoa so like overt like without even realizing how we were so little we were so young like fourth fifth grade like you have no idea and like I was like holy shit like I that's me trying to connect not only with like my culture but this language Mm -hmm. and I'm not allowed to do it if it's not in the confines of a Spanish classroom and I can only do it at home. And then that day I like was so upset. I came home. I told, I just told mom, I was like, I don't want to learn Spanish anymore. Wow. I was like, I don't want to learn it. It's a dirty language Mm -hmm. quote. You know what I mean? And I was like, and then I was like, fuck, that's so crazy. And now I look at it now and I was like, damn, what would I shake my fifth grade self and say, fuck that little asshole kid or whatever, you know what I mean? And like, why yeah. don't you keep doing Spanish? And so like, I don't know, I think that's like a perfect example of what it means to be like biracial in this country too, because mm-hmm. I'm on this fence line of like how I identify being Hispanic and Latin as well as black. And then also having like no role model that is that. Let alone, like, living in a town where I have no one to even, like, identify with. Sure. It was very much so, like, I was such a fucking weird kid. (laughs) I mean, I I imagine that being a totally weird environment to be up in and not seeing anyone like you. Yeah, and it's a very interesting thing because it's not, like... I don't know, like, it. the only person, even to this day, that I, like, very identify with is my mom. Mm -hmm. Just due to the fact that, like... We were not only, we grew up together. Like, she's sure. an older sibling, but she's also my mom. Like, we're very, very close. And and she was always, like, the cool mom because she was younger. And so my yeah. my friends even went to her and were like, hey, like, we're having problems with boys. Like, can you help us with this? And she was, like, the mom to say yes or no because she had that, like, she was like, oh, I just did this. Yeah. I was just in high school. Yeah. I was just doing this weird, crazy shit, you know? Like, it makes sense. You know? And I think, like, I don't know. I'm really, I'm honestly, the whole reason, like, why I even, why we even stayed in Aspen and, like, in the environment was because it's one of, like, the top public school education systems gotcha. in Colorado. I guess so, that makes sense if there's a lot there's of There's so much money. There. Yeah. There's so much high taxes. It's almost like, like, the public school is basically a private school. Sure. Do you know what I mean? And that was the big thing is my mom was, like, despite everything that you're going through at school being told that like this is a dirty language all of these identity crisis like social issues that you're dealing with at a younger age for her it was like I want you to have the best education Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean and it was like unfortunately with that came the side effects of like having to deal with those things on a day-to-day basis but it's also like I'm so grateful 
because I was able to do IB. I was able to do like IB art and do all these situ like all these have all these experiences. Like we had this amazing program called Outdoor Ed, and basically we take an entire week off of school and you just go on trips basically, and wow. you learn how to either like survive on a trip, backpack. Like I went um, kayaking in the Florida Keys for a week with my class. And That's that was crazy. that was my school. That was my school for the week. And I learned how to survive. I learned how to kayak. I learned about the ocean. Like I learned how, okay, you flip your kayak. What do you do about the oatmeal packets? Like we ran out of food. Like, yes, it was a disaster, but like that's something I never would have learned had I gone to any other school. Right. You know, like, and just having the experience of going out backpacking like we had um, it's very much experiential learning it is. as it's, opposed to just like is. reading about it's it it's hands on really learning cool. and that's how that's the best learning and even in that situation like our classes were so so like comfortable and tight because we were like I just helped you fucking dig a hole in the woods and see you wipe your ass around that tree. Like, I know you, Graciela. And I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, you do. And I'm like, I don't even know myself, but you know more about me. You've yeah. seen, you know? And it was like, and even today, like, as, um, you know, like, I have a really, like, solid group of friends from home, and we still are in contact and stuff, but they all went to college in different places and okay. stuff. But, like, even when we're back home, we would be like, dude, like, this is a fucking weird, crazy place. Like, when we yeah. try to explain it to people or, like, explain it to our friends in college, like, where we're from and stuff, they were like, wait, people actually live in Aspen? Like, that's their first question is, like, what do you mean people live there? And we're like, yeah, someone has to run the slopes all year long, like, mm -hmm. and we are those people. We are the, like, if you're not the 1%, you are the working class and, like, to maintain, like, the 1%'s high lifestyle, <laughs> like, sure. you know? And so... I mean, for that, I'm, like, so, so grateful to grow up where I did, and I think, like, I had so many opportunities to do so many crazy things, like, that a lot of people don't have the opportunities to do and to learn from, and I think, like, that's where it was, like, okay, like, this is, everything does come with a grain of salt, but, like, okay, I also live in, like, one of the most beautiful places in Colorado. Sure. Like, you know, and it, it came with, like, the, like, life, the, the good and the bad, the pros and the cons. So then when college came around, I was like, fuck this. I want to go as far away as possible. Sure. I mean, based you on know? everything you've said, it makes sense. You're yeah. going to go experience something new. Exactly. And, like, you had that good education base yeah. to, like, go Get do in. whatever you yeah. want. Yeah. And so I, like, so then I was, like, so basically I applied to Boston University Early Decision, which is, like, the binding yeah. one where it's, sure. like, okay, you're going to the school if you get in. doesn't fucking matter. You're not applying to other schools. So right. I did that very, very early. And I was, like, my college counselor was, like, this is a reach school for you. She was, like, this is a reach school. I really don't think you should apply. And I said, fucking watch me. And so I was, like, when someone tells me, like, this is something you cannot do, it just, like, fires me up so much. I'm, like, watch me actually do this. Sure. And so I did. And I was so shocked that I, A, got in. And it was by far, like, my dream school being on the East Coast, despite never seeing the campus in person, mm -hmm. I was like, I don't care. I want to be there. I want to be in a place like Boston where it's, like... Like, Boston still to this day is such a special place for me because it's, like, it's a very historical town. I love Boston. I fuck... Thank God. Thank I, God. Because so, it's, like, a hit or miss with people. Yeah, so I, for my previous job before coming here, mm -hmm. the company that I worked for was based out of Boston. Oh, really? Okay. And so... For training for my job, mm -hmm. I essentially had six months of insurance school. Oh, that's cool. And insurance school. 
Yeah. <laughs> for that six months, one week each month, yeah. they had all of the trainees, which there were like 50 of us, right. fly to Boston. That's so cool. And we were there for a week. And so like we had like lectures and yeah. group work and you were in, learning. The, in the morning during the afternoon. Yeah. And, and then, then you, the evening, we could do whatever you we want. free Robin. Yeah. In which, so like I've always loved history and yeah. stuff too. So yeah. getting to do like the Freedom Trail, the freedom like going trail. to like Paul Revere's like house. Yeah. Um, I love that shit. Salem. Yeah, all that oh my stuff god. is just crazy. It's and then so crazy. Even going to like Fenway Park. Oh my god, yeah. Was like so dope so and fun. No, so. like I loved it because I also loved like having my first year in college there because it's such a like rich historical town. Yeah. But it's also very lively because it's one of like the top college towns in mm-hmm. cities and small cities. So like it's like despite it being old, it kind of has this like bridgeway of like well this is like how we're teaching the top tier education wise and like let's have these conversations so it's very like i don't know just like the energy there is like very college and like well i mean you have have so many huge like education institutions there Mm -hmm. with boston college boston Mm -hmm. university harvard Harvard, mit MIT, all those right there so so much brain literally and it's just like that's kind of like and it was just like that energy is what i wanted and like i came into college very very undecided okay and i was just like I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like a weird kid. I don't know like what's going on. So I went to like, it's called CGS at BU and it's okay. called uh, the College of General Studies basically. And they basically, each college like has its own little stereotype. The College of Art and Sciences was like college of average students. Uh, the biz, like uh, the fine arts school was like crying for attention, <laughs> CFA, but um, what was it? the CGS school, the school I was in was Crayons, Glue, and Scissors because it was basically like a two-year liberal program, liberal arts program. Sure. And then once you finished it, you were able to go into one of the other colleges, whether it was the business school, the fine, or I don't even think, I don't think fine arts was on the table, but like CIS or um, like the hospitality school, all the different colleges you like go into. But I like spent my first year there and I met so many fucking dope ass people. Shout out. And like, they're so fucking. And I think to this day, like I still have a very, very like close friend that I'm like, we are just like very close and we just had so much fun together. And even to this day, we still talk and things. And like, but then basically like once I went after my freshman year, I came back for the summer. My parents were like, we reassessed and they're like, we can't afford this. Like, okay. we can't afford this with the loans you were getting. I was on scholarship with, like, a private donor from Aspen. He bailed out and he was like, mm. I can't help you fund anymore. So I was like, I kind of had this moment of, like, fuck, you know? Like, what do I do now? This was my dream school. I was fucking thriving. Like, yeah. and I was like, well, what do I do? And so I took off, like, the fall semester And I was like, okay, I'm just going to be at home. I'm going to work. I'm going to figure out what to do. I'm going to take some community college classes online, still trying to get my, you know, working at my degree, making it happen. And then I decided to transfer to CU Boulder in the winter of my sophomore year. Okay. And I decided to, like, go to CU due to the fact that I had so many people that I already knew there. Mm -hmm. And so as a transfer student, it was a pretty easy transition because I had people there I had kids from high school there I knew the campus I like it wasn't as like so much of a culture shock on my first day at BU do you right. know what I mean and like if it were up to me and I had all the means in the world I probably would have kept going to BU do you know okay. what I mean and graduated from yeah, there totally. you know but like I was like just where I was at where my parents were at where my loans were at like it just wasn't it wasn't feasible and so then like 
I went to see you, still undecided, very fucking confused. For a long time, I thought I was going to be a dance major. Okay. I, I shit you not. Like, I was like, I'm going to do this. I want to be in JLo's music video. Were you dancing as a kid? Yes. Okay. So when I did, did that start? That started fucking, like, when I was, like, six. Okay. Like, very little. Like, I was always dancing around. I was always making plays at home. Like, I was always, I was, like always very theatrical and yeah. very like weird <laughs> like I hate to say weird but like literally like those kids like you're like oh you're a theater kid and I'm like yeah I love Sweeney Todd they, they have like, a vibe they have a total vibe but I fucked with that vibe so hard yeah and so I did that like and I even like throughout high school and things like I was like okay maybe if I don't want to be like in the theater crowd I'll be mm-hmm. like in the dance crowd maybe I can like get into some of the shows because of course they need dancers for sure. the shows and like I was like okay and I kind of like bridged that and then I was like we I was on the dance team and throughout high school and things like that so I've been dancing for a very long time and then that's why I was like maybe if this is something I want to do but then I realized like it caught in at BU the program the dance program was like really fucking solid okay and it was super dope yeah. and I was so happy with it but then the CU one wasn't as finessed in all honesty, and so I was like, I can't do this anymore because like Did you, you kind of lose interest in it. Because I lost, it wasn't as like, yeah, I lost interest in it because not only were the other dancers not as dedicated, yeah, but the other dancers were like, well, I would so much rather like fucking party all day, and I'm like, let's practice, let's dance, like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? And I get it, and I get like, see you. That's just kind of the culture at CU for that people, those people in those, that time of their life between the 18 to 22 thing. And like, you can do it and you can thrive and that's what you want. And like, but for me, I was just kind of like, I did definitely probably lose interest because the environment once in is conducive to like, inspire me to keep doing it. Sure. So your mom was a jazz singer. Was Mm -hmm. she encouraging you to like, kind of go down this like dancing kind of like fine arts route? Or was she kind of trying to steer you away from it? Or I think... She, I think to this day, she's still like, I wish he would have done that. One or the other? She she said, like, I think she wished she would, I would have stayed as a dancer the way I was. Okay. But I was thinking along the lines of long-term goals of, mom, I can't make money as a dancer. Like, I can't. I'm like, I could make bomb-ass money working pole if you want me to. Like, I could fucking do that and I'd rock it. I would love to do that. And, but she was just like... She, I think I saw the long-term financial goal. I'm like, mom, like, I want to eventually be able to take care of you. Like, you sacrificed so much for me at such a young age. Like, I want to take care of you this time, you know? And I think, like, I have always had the goal of being able to be financially sound because that was never something that, like, I, I never, okay, like, it's the funniest thing, especially when you're growing up, you're like, am I poor? Like, you have those questions of, like, you ask your parents, you're like, am I poor? But I'm looking around and I'm comparing myself to all these people who have everything at their fingertips. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not poor, but I still have food in my belly and I still have a warm, loving place to live, which I'm so, you know, like, and I'm like, I'm not poor, but I'm middle class and not even in my middle class. Like I'm lower middle class by the context I was being raised in, you know? And I was like, okay, um, I think, like, for me, it was like, okay, like, I know what extreme wealth looks like, and I would like to be, have money not be something that my mom is worrying about in the future, and I think, like, that's why I was far more hesitant to go down the dance route that I did. I mean, I still love to dance, and I, like, still, like, when I'm fucking, 
if a song comes on and I'm grooving and I know the fucking dance to it, I will, f- nothing will stop me from making that happen. Yeah. You know? And I think like, I also had learned because my mom was a jazz singer. My grandma was a classically trained cellist as well. Okay. And so they went like the far musician route. Yeah. And I still see my grandma living out of her car in LA. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? And I had learned like, you know, the creativity, although it was like very much so fostered in my household between like the late night gigs and me having to get up in the morning or something like there was always music in my house and there was always like that happening. And I was always like fucking bopping around and dancing to it. Yeah. But I was like, I, I felt like I was like, okay, I want to go to college to be able to do something that's sustainable. And sure. unfortunately for me, I was like, I know I don't want to go and be a finance major or a business major or something so dry because I would just be so fucking bored. With mad respect to the people that do. Yeah. But like, I was like, I know I can't do that. And so... For you who has so much energy oh God. <laughs> going from being like a dancer where yeah. it's kind of creative expression mm-hmm. and you're on your feet and doing different things for sure and ask you to go sit at a desk no like that's it's not, not gonna, gonna happen it's yeah. i'm not gonna be happy i'm not gonna come to class yeah back at bu i was into i was like kind of starting to bridge into radio mm. and i was kind of doing this little like radio thing on the side and were just, you hosting like a radio show yeah okay. and we were doing that and i was having a lot of fun with that but unfortunately, there was actually like a fire in the studio, oh, so no. I wasn't able to maintain it. But it was still something in the back of my head when I went to see you that I was like, radio is cool. Yeah. I was like, I liked doing that. I liked, were you, you know. Were you doing like a talk show or were you we were hosting like a, a, a little music bit of hour? Both. Like we had, uh, first semester we had like, it was just music. And okay. then basically as like an intern, you get to learn like how to work everything and all of that. And then second semester is structured to be like, oh, um, now here's your own show. Or like, now let's see how you have this hour on the air. How are you going to use it? Whether mm-hmm. that was a talk show or a music hour, like people just kind of made it what they wanted. And yeah. so I like had the opportunity to try and like make this talk show happen before the fire. <laughs> like, yeah. That was like what basically got me interested in advertising was like, I was basically like advertising word about the talk show and like making these weird little flyers mm. around campus, like tune in, da 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 da. It's yeah. like just me listening. Just but, like, trying to drum up some Just listeners. trying to, yeah, just trying to, even if it was five people, me and my mom and two randos, like I would be so, I would be so stoked. And so I had that in the back of my mind when I had transferred and I was like, radio's cool, communications. And then I like got really excited because they had a pretty solid communication program yeah. at CU, despite all its, despite any program's flaws. But like they, it was, it set me up for success in the sense of like, it got me on track of what I wanted to do. It inspired me to be in the classroom with other people who were like the very, very small few because the classrooms are so big, but like the top five students of like, I love words or I love graphics or I love video and it was like and I would work with those students because I'm like I like these things too Mm -hmm. I want to be in your group like you know (laughs) sure and so it was like I so for that I'm so grateful and I'm like also just so grateful for the fact that my mom this is like I'm gonna get all emotional but like literally she said to me when I graduated I graduated last year or 2019 who knows how long ago that was, but like, who knows it what feels year. like three who years ago. Who knows what year it is these days. Like, Unfortunately, it's still 2020. Unfortunately, it is. And so I graduated in 2019, but like before my graduation, before I walked and stuff, my mom was like, I was talking to her on the phone and I'm like, okay, this is the plan. La 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 la. We're going to meet at this. And she's like, Graciela. She like stops me. She's like, Graciela. 
And I'm like, what, mom? Like, in my fucking sweaty-ass rush. And she's like, they think this is going to be one of my proudest moments of my life. And I was like, mom, because... She had never had the conventional graduate high school, high school, and then like be able to walk across the stage in college because she was raising me. And I was like, fuck, like, damn, like this woman is kind of living through you. Exactly. Vicariously through me. And I tell her my like crazy college stories now, even to this day. And she's just looking at me like wide eyed as if like. Not only because she's, it's like she's curious, but she is living vicariously through me. And yeah. she is able to be like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. Or what What do you mean you landed here in the middle of the la la la? And I'm like, yeah, so then. And she's <laughs> like, but like we're able to laugh about it. And like, especially because now I've reached after I've graduated far more adulthood and like, okay, I have a degree. And it's just something that she was never able to attain, you know, because sure. all her efforts were into like, making this person be alive that was very much so like conducive of just like wow like this is something you earn or this is something that not all not everyone gets to earn and that was the great awakening for me when i graduated is that like a large majority of people in this country aren't college educated aren't even finishing getting their their high school education graciela is a treasure and honestly makes my hosting job pretty easy If she were a professor, she would be the one where you just don't stop writing down notes for everything she says. Let's take a quick break before we come back with more Graciela Robertson. Are you a sailor who loves to dance but perhaps has lost their leg? Try new dancing peg legs, the most powerful pegs particularly perfected to prance with pomp and poise like no person could ever perceive. Dancing peg legs are not to be drop kicked. Orders will be fulfilled within four to six weeks from our manufacturing plant in Boston. We're back with more of Graciela, where we discuss lessons and storytelling that come from dance and jazz music, her passion for brainstorming and ideas, and the cultural importance of ads. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was in terms of kind of being a dancer growing Mm. up with that and studying dance Mm -hmm. what sorts of things do you kind of learn and talk about Mm. when it comes to that Mm. interesting you mean like within relation to like art direction or school or like life anything (laughs) anything Anything, honestly oh interesting I feel like the big thing I have learned especially with dance right that's what you're asking right yeah, because I feel like that seems like it was a big part of your like yeah. creativity yeah, it was when you were like younger, an outlet, and now you're sure. kind of in art direction, so yeah. I'm kind of wondering kind of it's how led. that kind of bridged into mm. the other. I think, okay, what's really interesting, especially with dance, is that it's a matter of storytelling, mm-hmm. which is super interesting, but it's a matter of storytelling without words besides what you have in the lyrics. Okay. I think that's like the big thing is like, okay... And I had learned that value of storytelling in a different sense that wasn't either like a picture book or a blog post or something like that. So I think, and even like, that's not cinema or a movie, like, because you watch these dancers, like, let's say you say you take a lyrical song or something that's like low, low tempo, low beat or something. And obviously it has emotions attached to it. Obviously it's telling a story. Obviously the singer songwriter has a story to tell. And it's a matter of like using emotion in those movements to express the story. 
in like a three minute under type of thing. And I think sure. also a big thing is um like one of the current students who just started in the fall, she's a pole dancer and she's like one of my friends. And I was like, come to dad, do this, Abby, come <laughs> to dad. This will be perfect. But she's like, fuck, like I'm really sad because I won't be able to like dance pole because the it's right around the same time that like classes are. And she's like, I feel like I'm like going to be losing a little bit part of this. And us both being dancers, I was like, you know, like, especially being a dancer, like you can pick it up, especially for doing it for so long whenever you like. But the storytelling, I think, is what's really key that I had learned through dance. And then I also learned not only just, like, the storytelling, but even just the sheer use of props. Like, if you just use one chair on a stage Mm -hmm. and you're having a dance around this chair or with with another duet or with another partner or even as a group, like, this one chair, does the chair resemble the mother that you never knew? And it's an empty chair throughout the entire dance. And all of your troop is the siblings who are grasping for attention for her and you're fighting over this chair. Like... That's just, like, one example of, like, okay, and then how does that match the song? Is the song telling the right story? And then it's also, like, okay, now what are we wearing for this routine? Is it just, is it clothes from our childhood? Is it just a white gown? Like, all of these different things, all these props, all these... And then what's the lighting like? Like, what's the lighting? Is it low lighting? Is it upbeat? Is it, is it... Like, we're just, we're just highlighting a spotlight for the one dancer to have her solo with this one moment or something. And I think all these different aspects of stage that I had learned not just from theater and dance translate to script, translate to, like, emotions, translate to art direction in a sense of, like, I had learned, like, you know, okay, if you want to just say something very simple, clean, like, with a lot of emotion, like, black and white is always key. Like, I always wore black and white in my dances, and now I have that in the back of my head as an art director of being like, okay, I want to take a serious route tone. What am I going to use? Black and white photography. Yeah. You know? I think it's, like, it's interesting because it's in the back of my head, but just, like, bringing this out and talking about it is me being like, oh, wait, maybe I did learn these things without realizing it. And I think it varies, especially right now. I think that so many public schools and the education system doesn't value the arts Mm -hmm. and creativity. Like, everything at my school was all the funding went towards sports and the ski team and the football team. And no one cared about the dance team, even though we won so often. Like, you know (laughs) what I mean? But it was like, okay, like, even though we, we did thrive and we worked just as hard, like, but... I think that those creative outlets are just so important, especially through that adolescence phase, because it lets you express yourself. It teaches you things you're not learning in the classroom. It teaches you, like, all these different things that I didn't even realize I remembered or knew. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like, some of those things that you can learn can be so fundamental that you don't even realize that you learned. Exactly. Like, I didn't even realize, like, oh, wait, black and white is, like, for serious... And now I can use that knowledge for, like campaigns and I can think about that within the sense of like okay if I'm doing a tv spot what's the song how Mm -hmm. is that gonna sound is it the right singer do we need to hire a new one like and now I have this appreciation especially from dance and coming from like a musical background especially for music you know and I think that knowledge of insight and music that I have is applicable to brands or do you you feel like you listen to music differently than other people mm, that's a good question I think I listen to certain songs differently. Okay. I think I listen... What sort of song? I don't know. It depends on... Okay, like, I'm a very much so, like, I have a really, really broad range of music, and, of course, like, anything but country, very much so like that. <laughs> that person... I'm with you there. Everyone is like that, you know? <laughs> and so it's, like, it's very much so, like, okay, what mood am I in? But it's also, like, if I can... Find, if I, like, put on a song and I'm, like, holy shit, like, this beat, like, I will start dancing to it and, like, yeah. making things up in my head, or if I'm in, like... 
if I'm in the car, like, tapping my foot or something to it, and then if it gets to, like, the verse or, so, or like, I always think about it within, like, I guess I think about songs within eight counts without realizing it, because when you're dancing, you're counting it out like that. Okay. Like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then you go, like, two, eight, eights. Yeah. And that's how you count to make sure everyone's on the same beat, everyone's on the same tempo, everyone's doing the right movements at the right time, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like maybe I do listen to music a little differently because I'm, like, thinking about it like that, and I'm also like, okay, wait, there's a brief, long pause for ten seconds. Like, that's me gasping for air in my dance... And yeah. I'm going to be silent on my drive for those 10 seconds. Do you know what I mean? Without, without realizing it, I'm like, oh, like appreciation for the music or appreciation for the silence that the artist put into this track, you know? And I think that's like, I also just have like a great appreciation for jazz too, being raised mm-hmm. in a jazz household. And jazz itself is such a fundamental um, piece to the music we listen to today. Yeah. You know? I think there was a conversation, I think, that... I think it was, like, Stephen Colbert yeah. and Hugh Laurie were having. Yeah. Where uh, Stephen Colbert was like, what do you think mm. America's greatest contribution to the mm. world is? And Hugh Laurie said jazz music. I agree. And then so he asked what it was Britain's, yeah. like, greatest <laughs> contribution. And Stephen Colbert said America. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah, yeah, like, so much of, like, American music comes from that it does. originality of it does. jazz and It everything. does. And I really think, like, it's crazy because I, I had a friend who basically went to school for, he wanted to be a jazz drummer. Okay. And he had done drumming throughout, like, his entire life, uh, did the marching band, did that. Yeah. But he went specifically for jazz to learn it in college. Mm-hmm. And now he's, like, because jazz specifically for drumming is the one of the most complicated, like, musically interest. It, it, like, but once you learn it, he's like, yeah. I can play fucking anything. Right. Like, I literally can play almost anything. And if... And that is so cool because it is such a big fundamental thing. And if you learn, like, the classics and you know about it, like, okay, and I think that for whatever reason, jazz especially, it has become far more elitist than Mm. it traditionally was created to be. It's become this, like... Low, low lit club, swoony, like expensive white people. You table. kind of think of that kind of like smooth jazz, yeah, like thing just where it's like, kind of snobby. Exactly. Where and it's supposed to be like very much kind of just like music lively. for the people and lively and people, dancing and people. everything. Yeah. yeah, and it's also like very um, encapsulation of just like culture and how not only like what we were dealing with like on a racial perspective, on a cultural perspective, on like a socioeconomic status perspective for people (laughs) what are words but like it's just I don't know I think that I personally am like I've always been such a big jazz buff because without even realizing it like those were the songs that were like lulling me to sleep at night yeah you know my mom would play them and she would sing them and she would have them like always on and they are in the back of my mind you know and I think that that's like Jazz in itself as a genre, as a, like, it's just so cool and beautiful and it laid like this foundation for what we know as hip-hop and what we appreciate mm-hmm. as rap today. I don't know <laughs> if you know this about me. I played trumpet and French horn from really? fourth grade through college. I don't know that, Jake. And uh, predominantly when I played trumpet, I was playing in the jazz band. It's so funny. Um, so Power I, to I, you, I have an appreciation for Power jazz as well. Power to you. Um, and, like, for me, it's kind of funny where 
jazz oftentimes is almost like the coffee shop music. A hundred percent. Or like something 100%. like that. And I yeah. will appreciate just like having that in the background sometimes. Yeah. But if like a song that I know starts playing, mm-hmm. it's so distracting. Oh, like yeah. I can't just like tune it no, out. You Whereas can't. most other people are just like, oh, it's just what some is this? jazz. Yeah. And I think that there's a specific people who have the appreciation for jazz who are like, wait, no, this is that song. Like, mm-hmm. just you wait. Like, this is... And I think especially just, like, back to, like, the storytelling of music is, like, they do that so well through instruments. And, like, yeah. even just... I'm obsessed with, like, jazz with, even without lyrics, too. Like, mm-hmm. just the emotions of, like, the storytelling they can tell with a light little flu or, like, you yeah. know, the, the bass of a saxophone and, like... I think all of those, it's so cool to think about. And I think, yeah, some people are like, oh, I don't, I don't have a taste for this, which is like fine. And they're just like, mm-hmm. I can't, if you don't have a taste for it, you don't have an appreciation for it. Yeah. You know, if you don't understand it or understand like the value of it or this history behind it, you know. Um, I think for me, so obviously yeah. improvisation is a huge part of jazz. Oh yeah. Especially um, instrumental jazz. Yeah. And so one of the things that has stuck with me mm. was I was doing like a little like master class or something with a, a musician. Yeah. And he talked about improvisation being a conversation, mm, which I thought was so interesting because yeah. then it was like, all right, like what it kind of goes back to the idea of storytelling with like, yeah. what do I want to say here? Mm. Or like if you're in a situation mm. where you're like trading fours or something with another mm. person, then you've, you're having like yeah. almost yeah. like a real conversation <laughs> yeah, where you're just going back and forth yeah. little by little, I which think is so interesting. I think, okay, like improvisation in itself is such, it's such a unique, interesting skill. You can learn mm-hmm. it from the stage. You can learn it from music. You can learn it from jazz. You can learn it from like, I've always considered myself like, especially just like when it comes back to art direction and creativity is like, I'm very much so, I like to say I'm like an improv creative. Like okay. I'm the best. I think I like thrive the most when I'm just like fucking making shit up out of nowhere and yeah. pulling it out. But someone's like, wait, what is that? Sure. You know, like that was funny or that was true or that was sad or like whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And it's sometimes I need help with someone like helping me come through and like find that little piece of like, oh wait, that was interesting. Even without me realizing just saying something, they're like, oh, but that made me think of this. And yeah. like that comes with like the value of improvisation and just being able to like have not have a plan but still come out either making people feel something laugh cry you know what I mean and I think that if you take that to like the advertising or even like brainstorming perspective like it's so key and it's like it's 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 a skill you learn it's a skill you can hone in it's a skill you can like obviously have natural abilities doing you know Mm -hmm. of just being like oh lol like (laughs) fuck you or whatever it is you know like yeah i think that that it it plays a big part in it and i've been trying to like convince heather and jesse and like we need to go to like a stand-up mic night like as soon (laughs) as possible like come on but those are the settings that like you learn Mm -hmm. and the settings you're like okay wait that joke landed super flat or like that one was kind of funny and I didn't think it would be. And I think like you can, I just think like all creative outlets, whatever they may be are just like so important and fundamental because like, yes. Okay. We need the, the businessmen, the accountants for an everyday life, but like the creatives are what's bringing light to more light to the world. Mm -hmm. And they're bringing those little tidbits of like, whether it is you just getting out 
to go see a play with your wife or something, like you enjoyed that play or you watched a movie and it was from a creative. I want to talk specifically about concepting with you mm-hmm. because I think you are so fun to concept Thank with you. <laughs> and you are always just so excited by your ideas. Yeah. You're excited to hear other people's perspectives Thank on you. ideas. And it seems like whenever people are sharing their ideas, you always manage to pull out some of the best bits mm. of an idea and kind of build on them from there. Yeah. So. You mean? Tell, go. Go, tell you about it. <laughs> tell you about it. Okay. Yeah. Where does that come from? Um, I don't know. I think, okay, I've always had, I don't know. I think, I think that comes from practice. Yeah. I think that comes from a lot of practice. I think that comes from, um just even like me like I'm so young I'm only 23 like I have hardly seen things and like I just I think it comes from like a little bit of a gut instinct too okay and it comes from honing in on I have like spent so many hours looking at good work yeah I was like in every sense of a good print ad a good tv a good tv spot a good radio ad and Mm. I have like just I have this stupid archive on my computer on my Google Drive and it's literally called Creative Vault. Okay. And whenever I find something that I love, mm-hmm. or whether it be a TV ad, a script, a social post, whatever, a graphic, whatever it may be, I throw it in my Creative Vault. Mm-hmm. And I look at it and I study it and I think like, why? Why do I like this? What is so in- what is so enticing about this? And I found like a lot of the different things come from like culture. Mm-hmm. And so how are, I think of within the sense of brands have this opportunity to understand what's going on around them, having a service or product and that they're contributing to culture, the economy, etc. But where they can press a little tension on culture is where I think you can find the most interesting things concept wise. Yeah. So whether that is us versus them, a, a, um, like all these stories that we've been taught in just throughout I don't know just everything like the commonalities of you know fucking what's it called all those different you know what I'm saying like all the different kind of like story types yeah all the different yes all the story types where we're like okay this is the hero this is the yada yada and I think that when you see when you see creativity really rises like I think it's when you just remix something that people haven't thought of before Mm. and then whether that is like music and mustard for like Grey Poupon or something like that, like you lean into that and you press on that tension. Okay. And that's what I think that I always think about is like, okay, is this worth talking about? Is this worth... And also I'm like very, very, very critical of my work. <laughs> I literally am like, I our last review, I straight up was like, I was I went last and I was just like, by that time all my work had already been talked about because of my partners, etc. And I literally just stood there, like, shaking with my printed paper. And I started crying. I started bawling. And I think why is because I'm so hard on myself as Mm -hmm. a creative. And I'm such a perfectionist. And I'm holding all these, like, half-baked ideas in my hand. And I was like, fuck, is this what my book is going to turn out to be? I was like, and I kind of had, like, a little bit of anxiety and panic attack. And I was like, wow, I know I can do so much better And I think that, I don't know, like, when it comes to concepting, I always, 
I never want to try and say no. That's something that I always try to avoid is I never want to say no. Right. I always want to say yes and. Which is a big improv thing. Which is Which comes back to improv of, yeah. yes, and have you thought about it like this? Or yes, mm-hmm. and what about it? Well, yes, and let's ask Jesse what he thinks about this. Or I think that that is very helpful because when you are concepting with a partner, you never want to make them feel less than or make them like feel like their their idea even though like okay I'm always tossing out garbage ideas but I think that tossing out all that garbage is going to lead to one treasure right you know what I mean and I think that that's why collaboration is so important and learning like in an environment like this where it's like I want everyone talking all the time do you know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. if I can like, whether that's me just asking them a question, trying to probe but like, what are you talking about this? Or like, tell me more about this. This is something I feel like there needs to be more of that because it's going to lead to better work. Yeah. It's going to lead to deeper thoughts, deeper insights, like thicker concepts only for like also to help push more product, but also like just richer campaigns and better advertising, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that I don't know, I always have fun, like, I think that there's always something special about every little idea, and I also was told in college that if you show up with an idea and one or two other people have it, it's not a good idea. Mm. That was another big thing that I was told in college that I was like, okay, if it's the very first thing I land on, like water bottles, what does it do? It holds your water. So many other people can say that, but what is so special about Hydroflask? Like, yeah. and it's like, okay, what does that trace back to? Is it the product benefit? Is it the cultural relevance? Is it the way that they're being used? Is it the way people are talking about it on Visco with Visco girls mm-hmm. and their Hydroflask? Like, take a little step back, and that comes with like, I think it's a it's a little bit of a research portion, but it's also for me, it's just literally like combing through what people are saying mm-hmm. and what. And then you find that one little nugget that, at least for me, it excites me. And that excitement is like, why? Why do I find, like, this so funny about Visco Girls and Hydroflasks or whatever it may be? Like, and you lean into it. You fully lean into it. And then you're also like, okay, how do I bring this to life? How do I lean into this? How do I make sure that this is, A, true to the product, makes sense for who I want to talk to, who do I want to talk to? For this product why does it make sense and like is this the right timing mm-hmm. and I think one big thing that like for Jesse's class we all kind of uh, I think it was like two quarters ago but we all kind of like came in with like what our point of view was and we described our own point of view I don't know if you've done this with him mm-hmm. but like it was like you're like no Jesse. I don't think so it, it, was like a, it was like a presentation basically like about yourself okay. and it was a presentation about yourself that you brought and that you were like and this is how you would talk to me as a consumer. Oh, Do you remember what I'm talking about? I think I know. Yeah. I think you might have changed the wording a yeah, little bit on it. Yeah, I, I also could be just completely... Yeah, but no, <laughs> I, I think and I thought what like, you're talking about. But now. like, so you came in with this point of view of like, okay, like, I came in and I was like, well, I'm a woman of color raised in a very white state, and this is my perspective, and... Um, it was interesting because like even all the different people in my class who came in with like, well, I'm an internet baby, like, you know, and that was their thing. And like, I look at everything through this lens of being an internet baby or something like that. And, um, like someone, I think one of, one of, someone also said like, well, I'm the middle child and they looked at it, you know, like all these different things that make people who they are. But it was interesting despite all these different things where you don't think that we would relate as a group or have something to talk about but we all at the end of our presentation had this notion of how can a brand sell something to me or how can a brand what can brands do better 
to talk to someone like me, like the internet baby, the middle child, a person of color. And we all landed on this one thing and it was authenticity. Mm -hmm. It was, is this authentic? Does this make sense for Hydroflask to talk to internet babies? Like, you know, I think like I'm kind of beating the barrel of the bush. What is that fucking? I'm always making up shit. Um, (laughs) But like with this example, but it's very true. It's like we all landed on what can brands authentically say? What is in their jurisdiction to say? And I think that's where, at least like from ad school that I've learned where I've had like the most excitement about campaigns and ideas is I'm like, no other brand could say this. I think advertising is just like the anthropology of understanding culture and Ooh, that's deep. Yeah, right? Here I am. (laughs) Deep shit. Advertising is the anthropology Mm -hmm. of culture. culture. But it literally is. And I think it's like, You, when you start to look at, like, you Google something of, you know, Dr. Pepper or something like that, and you start looking at it, and you start looking at, okay, of course the ads pop up. What are people saying about the ads? What is the What are the ads saying? Like, yeah. It has such a deep, deep, deep meaning and context of what we think about brands and what we think about mm-hmm. life, even, you know, because... Yeah, it really is like, a snapshot so of, what, of what was important to the culture. Exactly, and, at that time. And what you're talking about yep. and how you're saying yeah. it and how people are reacting yep. to it. And, so. like, and then you look at, like, even, for example, just, like, super outdated ads, just, like, very sexist ads. And you're yeah. like, well, that's how we talked about women in the 50s is mm-hmm. we talked about them in the sense of, like, you belong in the kitchen. And you look at it, and then you look at it, like, from a 2020 perspective lens of, like, damn, that was fucked up. Or, you yeah. know what I mean? But, like, you can only look at it from, uh, from, from ads. You can only get that information from ads. You can't get it from – I mean, you can get it from the movies and mm-hmm. things that were also going on at the time – but like a print ad, it almost never dies because of that, you know? And I yeah. think that that's so wild. Graciela loves to talk, but that didn't stop her from asking me about how I approach concepting as a creative writer and a lie that I told growing up in this week's Ask the Host. I guess I would just love any thoughts insight that you've had kind of like being an outsider from advertising and career switching from the Mm. industry okay like i guess like is your approach to concepting different have you learned anything different and like if so i don't know i'm just curious like a your experience and your approach to work too within that sense yeah so i think for me even though I was in a different industry, mm-hmm. I was still doing creative writing in my own time. Okay. And so... Interesting. With that, I was doing both some longer form writing, and mm-hmm. then I was writing some, like, sketches and whatnot. Okay. Just, like, on the side when you could... Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Like, okay. one of, like, one of my favorite things to do is, like, I would wake up early on, like, a Saturday morning and yeah. go to a coffee shop and write for just, three like, hours. Just, like, go. Yeah. That's and awesome. it was just, like, my quiet time and it was great. And so... thought outpour of whatever. Yeah. 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 And so I think kind of the same... Some of that same process as far as, like, trying to think of, like, stories that are interesting mm. and stories mm. that... I would care about. Yeah. It's kind of worth the, reading. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, a lot of people talk about 
with creative writing and like write what you know. Mm. But for me, I read something else that I liked more where it was write the story that you want to, to read and yeah. that you want to tell. That's cool. And so That's interesting. the idea of then going and figuring out like what stories are worth telling and which mm. stories I think are interesting mm. and then whether I'm trying to write something that's very heartfelt or if yeah. I'm trying to write something funny. Yeah. What do you want to see in it, basically? Yeah. Like, that all kind of, I think, was somewhat practice because yeah. it's, like, it's kind of that creative practice, mm -hmm. even though it wasn't related to making an ad. Yeah. It was related to interact creating a story and interacting with other people in that's some interesting. way. Because that, <laughs> that makes me think of... Like your method and approach of buckets. Mm -hmm. Like you're like I'm obsessed with this, and you're like yeah okay, and I'm like I love buckets. Um, but like if you think about it, like okay, what would you like to see? Like the the Leave It to Beaver bucket. Like we're looking for innocence. We're looking for yeah adolescence. We're looking for purity. I, I think for me, know? it's kind of like trying to figure out what the right voice is, mm. and so. Mm -hmm. I kind of do like group things into a couple different buckets of yeah. like, this is a very kind of like asshole, like yeah. snarky tone. Yeah. This is kind of the more innocent that leave yeah. it to beaver one. Um, this is kind of more visionary. This yeah. is kind of more just every man. Yeah. And kind of taking those like different archetypes and trying to like tailor a voice mm -hmm. to that and then seeing which one feels the most right interesting for, for what we're trying to say for what we're trying yep. to say in our concept and what yeah. we're trying to say about the brand what was something you lied about as a kid so okay. this isn't super interesting do it, do it. but uh, I, love this. I lied to my parents that i could uh or that i watched the lion king at <sighs> my grandmother's house no you didn't a crime i did <laughs> uh yeah it was terrible right <laughs> Such a rough kid. Um, because uh, I really enjoyed The Lion King as okay, a kid. Okay. And so I would uh, act out some of the like the fight scenes or whatever. Oh! And, and this was when I was... Uh, so I, I have a little sister, but she's yeah. seven years younger than me. Yeah. So this is when I was still kind of growing up on my own. Yeah. And so... Uh, I was not allowed to watch The Lion King. Because you get all Because I would get too wild and everything. <laughs> but I was able to convince my grandmother to let me watch it. Uh, and you were like, like and wrestling then, around. And then neither of us told my yeah, parents about it. Yeah, I like that. It. And then after a year, it was okay for me to okay. watch it again. It was like just enough violence. Yeah. And aggression. Okay, yeah. wait, so funny because... <laughs> let me tell you my childhood Lion King... I was very sexually attracted to Mufasa. I still oh, yeah. am. I was like, Simba is, I was like, I literally had this sexual awakening at like seven years old where I was like, this is a lion that I want to touch in <laughs> private places. Like, I was literally like, like, I don't know why he's so so hot to me. And there are some <laughs> people that I know who would say that Nala is their favorite <laughs> Disney princess. So I'm not, like, in a coming out of a weird place. No, I like, mean, it's still like weird, but it's weird. like there are other people but that are like, weird, too. But I was literally like, holy shit, this lion? Rawr! Like, everything. Plus, I mean, James L. Jones, his yes. voice and everything. Yes! Like, literally, and they're like, can you feel the love tonight? And I'm, like, in the back with my Polly Pockets, like, yes, I can, Mufasa. Yes, I can. Like, oh. 
I just think that's that's one of my favorite questions to ask because people always say the most random shit. I'm like, that is so funny. Mm -hmm. The Lion King. Yeah. It was key to my childhood existence. I love The Lion King. It was super key. It's great. It was so good. Have you seen the remake? I did. Was it good? Oh, you haven't seen it. I haven't. Oh. (laughs) So... I thought it was visually stunning. Okay. It was shot in Africa, right? It's all CGI. You blew my mind. I'm pretty sure it's like all computer generated. Really? I'm going to need to fucking look at scenes. Um, Crapshares. But because it's trying to be realistic Mm. and capture the animals for like who Mm. they are, you miss that emotional kind of depth ah, and whatnot yeah, yeah. that you see like when yeah, interesting like when spoiler alert mufasa <laughs> dies <gasps> he dies and simba sees like him for the first time yeah. and, like you see that like terror and loss and anguish and everything yeah. like in his face in the animated yeah. one you just see a lion cub <laughs> and like the the actor is still trying to do huh. the work yeah but how much work can they do? It's all voice yeah, in that case, Yeah, how cool. But I mean, okay, how interesting, because like, okay, you can add like an inflection to your voice, mm-hmm. but how much work is that going to do? Like, you can fur the brows with like a pencil for animation, but you can't do that for CGI. Yeah. How weird. Yeah. So like, it, I think it's remarkable. I was glad that I saw it, Yeah. but it doesn't hit the same way emotionally. <sighs> Have you seen the musical? The, the Lion King? Yeah. I actually did. Yeah. I saw it, I saw it on, I think I, when I was very, very little, I saw it when I lived in LA f- with my parent, with my fucking mother and grandmother. Okay. And we saw it and it was like so cool because yeah. it was, they were all puppets mm-hmm. and it's just, it was so magical. I think I saw it when I was like in like second or third grade. It's one so. of those shows that you're just like. How do people do this? Like, even just the way they move their bodies and yeah. it looks like gazelles. You're just like... it was. I just remember being, like, transported to a whole world and with the puppets, you're even able to, like, make the giraffe's mouth move and also, mm-hmm. like, look around. But also then you can look at, like, the actor on stage and you can see him being the giraffe and you're also, like, he also giving the emotion from stage two it's just a it's one of the most wild but like beautiful fucking one of the best shows for sure i mean i was like tiny but i still remember i still remember it you know that wraps it up for this episode graciela robertson will finish at denver ad school after the fall 2020 quarter i'm jeff allory Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Act.